I thought you were dead. Sun out of your eyes and be yourself. Heard you were dead. She's dead, wrapped in plastic. That man's dead back then. It was worse than dead. He must be dead. Is this a dead man, Doctor? Wow, it's just the three of us. Yeah. Just, yeah. No guests. No mic, obviously. This could be a quiet episode. It might be, yeah. Way less, way less talking over one, though. Yeah. Yeah, I think I need that. <laughs> That's the quiet. That's the quiet <laughs> of the episode. I'm just, that was the meditation part. That was the meditation part. We're all going to pause. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Roast Mortem Cast, the only meditation podcast you need in your life to like get in touch with the history of your DNA. Yeah. Thank you, Travis. Yeah. Should we treat this like a NPR This American Life episode? I'd like to do that, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm here. Uh, my name is Travis. I would like to say I'm present. This is my co-hosts. Would you inter- please introduce yourselves? Hello, I'm Tom. I have a, a doctorate in... Uh, 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 Los Los Angeles. Uh, that's it. <laughs> a doctorate in Los Angeles studies, uh, observing the culture, the impacts it has on the rest of the country. Connor, how are you uh, today? I'm Connor, and yes. I am an NPR politics correspondent. <laughs> and, and what you're need, gonna need to go, do is go to Patreon.com/slash/RoastMortemCast. We don't have mugs. We don't have tote bags. You know what? But you can. You know what, what bothers me about people who are genuinely like that, like, and the NPR, <laughs> the people, NPR people is that like I I think about killing myself once a month. Like I'm like I have I'll get an, oh, at least once a month. You know, like I just sure. want to I want to dive off of this house and crack my neck and just call it a day. I don't think those people have the that thought. They've never thought it in their life, and it shows. Yeah, and I think that makes people not to say I'm the most interesting. Or even close to them up, but I think interesting people have that feeling every now and then. Yeah, you know, does that make sense? No, I get it. There's a little self-destructive streak that those people, those people who speak like that, don't have. Yeah, people who experience like like hang like I'm I'm not going to work. I'm not going to work today because of a hangover. I don't think those people do that. Um, Tom, I really don't appreciate this energy. Um, can you tell us about your moth uh, story of the week? Yeah. My- <laughs> Yeah. Tom, how's your week? We're closing on a house. We got a house. Yeah. Yeah. Next time you see me, I'll be sweaty. That's That's right. George's deal. Uh, Well, you're you're usually sweaty in the summer, so. That's true. Um, Yeah, I'm, I'm stressed out, guys. Wow. Wow. Is the only thing more stressful than trying to buy a house, successfully buying a house? Apparently. <laughs> and what sucks is that I've been trying to buy a house, which has been very stressful, yeah. and all of a sudden, I hit this precipice where it's like, oh, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck. You're like, you're like Wiley Coyote, like you've run off the cliff and have yet to notice that there's nothing beneath you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but. That, Tom, that, you have those Georgia peaches at the end of the tunnel. That's I'm gonna right. I'm gonna order some fruit baskets for you. <laughs> sure. I'm just gonna send you peach rings. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna send you forty eight K 
cases of Pepsi just to really endear oh. yourselves to your, to your Georgia neighbors. Wow, yeah, they're going to come yeah. fucking crashing through all my windows. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't care if there's a double pane. We're going through with yeah. our Coca-Cola bottles. That's right. Yeah. Like good Americans. Yeah. Connor, how's your week going? Uh, Mike was good. Um, had a, a fun Father's Day weekend. I had off most of it. Well, all of it, really. Nice. And a couple of days extra, which was nice. Uh, the most exciting thing I did is I cooked the best steak I've ever cooked in my life. All right. For Father's Ooh. Day. I was very, very happy with it. I can't, couldn't stop talking about it the next day. What cut was it? It was just a simple London broil, but it was the first time I ever reverse seared. Oh. Uh, shout out my other brother-in-law, Ronan, gave me the idea. So for those who don't know, you just let a steak go to room temperature, cover it in salt, like a lot, like almost too much salt. Right. Dry it out the steak, let it sit for as long as you can, then oven for like a really low temperature for a really long time, and then as hot a grill as you can get for like four minutes on each side. Oh, so good. Sounds banging. It was so good. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. Hell yeah. That was a highlight. (laughs) What do you have with your steak? What is your sides with steak? So it was dad's, it was Father's Day, it was all his requests, so we also had some grilled asparagus. Mm. Um, I also, despite making a big steak for six people, also did a ring of sausage. Nice. Just the classic. Throw it on the grill. Easiest thing to make in the world. Uh, Corn and caprese salad and potato salad. Nice. Nice. That'll fill up any dad. Yep. You know, I've been to steakhouses out here, the only, the thing that, Bugs me. The West Coast doesn't know about cream of spinach. Hmm. That's a good steak side. Yeah, that's my favorite. Hmm. And I go to a steakhouse and I'm like, I want my cream spinach, please. And they're like, oh, we have these walnuts that we've roasted uh, <laughs> outside underneath the walnut trees. Here's a wedge salad. It's super yeah. inconvenient to eat. <laughs> yeah, wedge salads are bullshit. What? Uh, I want to also say something on bullshit terms. A baked potato. What is that? Like, there's so many good ways to make yeah. a potato. A baked a potato is nice. Like, it's fine. But you're right. There are so many better ways to make potatoes. I've heard someone get psyched for a baked potato before. Dude, you better twice bake it, or else you're not even trying. That's right. Twice bake it. Baked potato. Just, oh, really? It's like, <laughs> put this in an oven at 400 yeah. for an hour. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Fucking baked potato. <laughs> what is this? Unless, it's mostly an excuse to eat butter at the end of the day. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Which, yeah. again, butter's delicious. Good way to go. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Trev? How was your week? My week? It was all right. I was talking before the show. I, uh, I went to Powell's Books in Portland, and I bought a book about New York State from 1849, reading about the papists. I just can't get away from the 17th century. Yeah. Even when yeah. you're reading about the 1800s. We, no, but this is, these are records from the, like, it was, the book was written in the 1800s, but they're records going back to the 17th century. Oh, so, so it's old yeah. history history. Old history history. The best type of history. right? Where they call black people weird names. Mean names. It is, you mean they call them Italian also? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I went, I went book Not hunting. Not mutually exclusive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I went book hunting. That's pretty much all I've been doing. Working, playing uh, uh, No Man's Sky, getting old books. That's me. That's cool. That's good. I'm happy for you. 
Yeah. Tom, yeah. do you think uh, our guy, would he have gone to Powell's books? Uh, yeah, I think he would. Uh, yeah, so tonight's episode, we're going to do a part one of, uh, I don't know how many we're doing. It's either going to be four or five. Uh, we might even have to take a break in the midst of this because of my moving and all these things. You know, yeah. life happens, guys. You are going to yeah. Georgia. Yes. And uh, let's be honest. The Patreon has dropped below $14,000, so I can't pay my bills with this shit anymore. Um, with all that said, um, we're doing part one tonight. We're definitely going to get part two in before I go. We'll see when three and four and five come. Okay, guys? Yeah, if we, if we have a break, maybe I'll just do a solo. I'll read some stuff about the dirty papists in my old New I York I think you book. should just, if you, we need to take a hiatus, just read that book cover to cover out loud. Yeah. yeah. You know, the best part is, is it's, it's a pre-dictionary, so it's all spelled the way I would spell things. Nice. So it's easier for me to read. Good. We like that. All right. Something that's not easy for me to read is my own script for Sterling Hayden, part one. Now, Sterling Hayden is uh he's an interesting character. It's going to be a quite a tale I'm going to tell over the course a man's career that uh I have not seen much like it. It does remind me of Richard Burton of but of the modern day. How he effortlessly glides from one place to another and you'll see exactly what I mean as I get into it. So, young Sterling Hayden was born yeah. Sterling. Wait, Tom, before we jump in, I've never heard of this guy. Like, oh. is he, what is he, like, just give me like a synopsis of oh. what I'm, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm fucking beat right now. So please yeah, no. stop. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'm not saying against your script. I'm like, you kept saying Sterling. I'm like, I don't, is he an actor? Is he a fisherman? Yeah. <laughs> is, what if he's of, both? Yes. Um, he is best known for his acting career. He's, um, his best known role is I'm totally blanking on the role's name, but he's the crazy uh, conspiracy theory fluoride talking uh, general from Doctor Strangelove. Oh, he's the one who starts off the whole thing, right? Yes. Nice. All right. Uh, he's uh, that uh, guy. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I know who this boy is. Yes. Yeah, so he uh, he was kind of in. He was late golden age and had a career through the 60s in film but he has done a lot more than your typical actor all right he was born burn sterling <laughs> relia walter i never heard relia it's kind of like hell yeah but with an r relia um, brother <laughs> he was born to george and francis walter um march 26th 1916 in Upper Montclair, New Jersey. Only child. The best, best child right here. <laughs> Star <laughs> child, number one child. That's right. Together we are alone. <laughs> His dad was a humorless prick that frequently beat Sterling's behind with a wet stick as a form of discipline. I don't think that's rape. I think that's just like. You've been misbehaving, boy. Let me wet this stick on you. I was gonna, I haven't gotten past wet stick. <laughs> <laughs> why it had to be wet? Well, yeah, why not a dry one? Uh, I think it hurts more. Like I've heard of like people like the grandparents where they're like go get me a switch and you got to like go pick out the yeah. little they think his dad's like go find me a stick and run it under the sink for a couple minutes. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe he did that. 
I don't know. He, he, he uh, didn't seem like a nice guy. No. His dad. Mm. One of those guys who's just smoking a pipe and pulling his belt off and his pants are falling down. He's like, come here, boy. Help my pants up and get that wet stick and then give me my belt back. <laughs> uh, steps this. He just got the stick. <laughs> He's just embarrassed. Pants yeah. are falling down. Keep it in a wet bucket. Um. His uncle Monty was a role model for the young boy. Monty was a boxer, a businessman, and a firearms aficionado. He taught young Sterling a whole bunch of cool stuff. So he knew about the world of boxing growing mm. up. He knew about guns, you know, cool shit. Sterling loved his mother dearly, too. Uh, she was fun, not a tight ass like his father. She was fun overall, but... Um, Suburb life was very boring for a young, adventurous boy. Hmm. He had no interest in school or paying attention to dumb shit that adults say to kids constantly, you know, just being their boss. He was held back. You better eat your kidney beans. What's up? You better eat your kidney beans or else you're not going to grow big brains. Those are some things they used to say. I used to hear it. Dude, you just give me flashbacks. (laughs) Specifically. Uh, he was held back in third grade and eventually was expelled for throwing rocks at his teachers. Oh, that's some good 1920s tomfoolery. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he would have gotten along with Rolf Rube. Probably. Yeah. Pro- yeah, I mean. <laughs> you like throwing rocks? <laughs> there's there's something very honorable about throwing a rock. Yeah, Rube would have been 30 at the time, but yeah. still, he would have gotten along well. Yeah. yeah. six-year-old. Yeah, the child mind. <laughs> yeah. His father grew tired of beating his son with a wet stick and brought Sterling to work with him to New York City the next day after the expelling and introduced him to a colleague who had a son who also was expelled when he was a boy. And now he was in Sing Sing, getting his lips kissed by other men. Oh, no. Yeah. Going upstate New York. Yep. So this was a cautionary tale, enough, enough so to keep Sterling from getting into trouble for a few months but uh he was back at it eventually so it was kind of funny that uh you know hey sing sing watch out it's like yeah. i'm six <laughs> what do, what would a guy that commutes from jersey to new york do i mean i imagine it would be like when you see the stock market all the guys are yelling and they're trying to sell tickets but they're just yelling in like a crowd like in a room Truthfully, it said it in the book, and I forgot. Also, my my reference book is called Sterling Hayden's Wars by Lee Mandel. It's very thorough. Good book. Plural on wars is a little foreboding. Yes. For what's mm. to come. Let's see. So, what about sing, sing, and men kissing? Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> he... <laughs> his father ends up taking him to work with him. I think he's some kind of salesman or some shit like that. Brings him to work because he doesn't have anyone to watch him for a few weeks. And this kid is, like, enamored with ferry rides. They're taking the ferry every day. And he's just like, bro, this is this is the shit. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty exactly. sick, dude. Was it all boats or was it specifically ferries? Like, if he saw a sailboat, was he like, no thanks. I need a destination to and from. It was very much the water. Ah, he was like, right. look at where we are right now. This is so sick. Dude, this is like snow, but it's wetter, and <laughs> your boat can walk on it. Yeah. Not, not to skip to the end, but does he eventually found a submersible company that goes and explores the ocean depths? 
Oh, you mean like like the current situation <laughs> happening on uh, June twenty first? <laughs> yeah, I, I think when this episode comes out, that tomorrow they run out of air. Yeah, yeah well, you'll guys. <laughs> this joke will be in either really poor taste, which will make it even funnier, yeah. or less poor taste, which means that it won't be as funny. Yeah, I don't know. I honestly don't know how to feel about it. I haven't processed it yet. Like, do you see that controller? I'm going, it's funny, and I'm, I've yet to change my opinion on I'm that. I'm not arguing it. I'm just fucking shot right now. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taking it all in the right way. So he and a friend were shooting rocks and nails at a uh, pass, passing cars with a slingshot one day, and a Sterling shot wide and hit his friend. The guy driving the car that he was supposed to hit actually see this all happen. He saw Sterling running from the scene of the crime. The man caught him and brought him home to rat on him. Furious, George took Sterling downstairs to give him a lashing of a lifetime. And after the first thwack, George suffered a massive heart attack from which he laid in bed for three months and then died. Oh my god! (laughs) That is amazing. kind of sucks but well i don't got no wet sticks nearby so i have to use a dry one hope i don't throw my arm out (laughs) serious anger (laughs) issues i mean who who cares that much i I mean the guy's an asshole it's really on him yeah he he did that to himself like all right so my all right go to your room go write me an essay i'm gonna beat my kid until i die Yeah, you probably should lay off the fried bologna sandwiches that you get on the ferry every morning, George. <laughs> but they taste like seawater. George, <laughs> stop spending all your time at Coney Island getting those glizzy dogs, George. <laughs> so the nine-year-old Sterling wasn't allowed to go to the funeral. Back then, I think there was a little more taboo around that. It's like, yeah, you don't want to see it. I mean, even though he watched his dad die, he's like, you don't want to have him see a dead body. <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, then they all get to do the the funny thing of wearing the Hitler armbands just in black. Yeah, man, that's right. <laughs> uh, funny enough, he and his mother never mentioned George to each other again. They never talked about their dad again. And, and why? Best why left not? unsaid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Francis worked, and uh, you know she was widowed for about three years after this, and then she brought a married man home named James Hayden. Now, James was a businessman with partnerships and investments, a real mover. He was in the process of a divorce, during which he came in hot with Francis. Sterling was excited when they announced their wedding plans. Uh, He was looking to move out of the house and go to a different school, and he wanted a new dad, and it was just great news all around. He had a healthy heart. That guy had a healthy heart, right? Yeah, Uh, he could beat kids for hours on end. (laughs) Yeah. Wet or dry. After the wedding, James adopted Sterling, and the family moved to New Hampshire, where they lived very, very happily with no worries at all. And luckily, that ended on a turn of the page there. Uh oh, because that's actually a lie. Oh no! <laughs> In New Hampshire, they realized that James was a charlatan that owed money all over the East Coast, <laughs> and the partners in the only legitimate business he had, which was a boys' summer camp, had just booted him out. Oh boy, he, he's Too in the boy summer camp business. I mean, I have to hear hard business to break into. Firstly, it is a hard business to break into, but think about it summer camp, probably upstate, a lot of sticks, a lot of oh. wet, 
It's muggy. Yeah, get the, the blast. Sticks, the sticks stay wet. Yeah, just yeah. blast those boys. <laughs> <laughs> I wet it with a lake water. <laughs> yeah, from the creek. <laughs> the family moved all over the place with creditors always on their tail. They moved to Booth Harbor Bay, Maine, where Sterling's love of the sea grew even deeper. He spent his first day on the dock, and he ran into an old seaman who agreed to lend him his rowboat for 50 cents. Sterling rowed out to a couple abandoned sailboats to check him out. On his way back, he passed an island called Tumbler Island. Now, on the island was a single little house. As he got closer, he saw a for sale sign. He rushed home and told his mom and step James about the house. Surprisingly, they bit. And the next day, James found the listing agent, and the buying price was too high, but the renter price worked real well, so they booked the place for three months for $200 and lived on an island by themselves. Creditor ain't gonna find us out there. That was exactly <laughs> James's thought process. <laughs> Dude, that's one of the smartest investments you can do. Go to Maine, to a small island, and just get a sleeping uh, bag. Honey, let me tell you something about debt collectors not many people know. They're terrified of water. All right? We build a moat. Yep. We, we get on this island. We just have to be careful that they don't, don't recruit the boys that know how to row from their camp. They'll row, them out, <laughs> row me out here real quick. But, like, this was... They rented it for the fall and winter. Now, this thing, it wasn't insulated well. They had to... It's it a was, cabin falling apart on an island in Maine. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty bad. Um... And it was not good for the relationship. Let's put it that way. Tensions rose. Um, let's see. Either way, Sterling uh, got to love the sea a bit more. He's just like, yo, I get to chill on this. This is tight. He hangs out on the dock some more, and he finds an old sailor named John Howell. He, too, was an old seaman who knew Sterling was sea-struck. I guess he had been there himself. And he needed to sail. Uh, John had seen him out on the water a bunch of times and knew his family was on the island. So he also knew... <laughs> uh, oh, pardon me. I wrote this wrong. Um, basically, he had seen Sterling out there rowing around and being like, look, I'm sailing. And yeah, like, he knew he found a little sailor boy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, look, everyone should love the sea. It's the only place in the world where you just exist and food is underneath you. Like, if I'm walking down the street and there's hamburgers underneath me, they're gross. If I'm in the sea, I get lobsters, shrimp, and fish <laughs> that are good yeah, right beneath me. That label, fresh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good point. Um, so he let Sterling hang around his sail-making shop and convinced Sterling that he was ready to start going out on his own. You know, like renting, the, renting a, a sailboat and making some laps. Unfortunately, spring rolled around, and the family had to skip out on the rent, relocating 90 miles inland. So, oh, that's Ooh. rough. Inland Maine. A lot of black fly swarms. Yeah, isn't like them in Canada have like crazy black flies? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I went on a canoe trip through Maine, and they're like, you can't see through them. They're just like these weird... Aren't, aren't all flies black? Well, what's a black fly? Is it different? I think it's like a fly. They bite. They're like oh, horse. They're like horseshoe. Like gnats and horseflies. Yeah, they're like horseflies, but they like swarm. Oh, that sucks. That sucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's real bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sterling was then ripped off by Step James, 
Sterling's uncle Monty, who I mentioned before, had made a trust fund worth three thousand dollars. This is a long time ago. This is you know we're talking mid twenties. Three thousand dollars was to go towards towards his college. Now, stepdaddy James told Sterling that he had a foolproof plan and that he could pay him back several times over if Sterling lent him that money. Sterling fell for it, authorized Daddy James to take the money, and the foolproof plan turned out to be something retarded, and no money was ever made. Mm. Sounds pretty foolproof to me. What fool would invest in a fool fool's plan? <laughs> What are we investing in? More boys camps? <laughs> yeah. The idea with a foolproof plan is to keep the fools away. You know? Yeah. You can't have a fool at the head of one. These cars are a fad. I'm investing in horse and carriages. <laughs> the market's down right now. <laughs> fools investors. I'm going to uh I'm going to invest in wet sticks. God damn it. <laughs> Sterling wouldn't find out till much later uh, that he was finally re-enrolled in a boarding school. Um, he had been at school for like four years at Just this point. Not going or? Well, he was expelled. Like, oh. Seriously. They were like, you can't come back. And then he moved up to Maine and they were like, we'll get to it. And they never did. And then he was on an island and mm. it was like. Ah, whatever. Yeah. So he started piecing the situation together when the headmaster called him. Um, oh. I wrote this wrong, too. So he's at a boarding school when he finds out the money is not coming back. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he pieces it together when the headmaster calls him into the office to lambast Sterling for his underperformance. Right. And then he's also like, and your stepdad owes me a check, too. Right. Sterling's right. like, uh... The fuck you talking about? He yeah. owes me a check. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like we're on the same side. Yeah. <laughs> you, too? <laughs> In short time, he was done with the lame-ass school and decided to run away, hitchhike to Bangor, Maine, and then hop on a freight train to Portland where he could find work on a ship. Late that night, when he arrived in Portland, he walked down to the docks. Uh, he happened to know every schooner there, because they used to hang out in the old uh, spot in Maine he was. And most importantly, he knew Restless, the ship that belonged to Albert Powers, a captain he knew well from John Howell's sailmaking shop. So. His time of hanging out with the bros. Paying off? Yeah, people starting to know who he is. They're like, Sterling, That's right. what are you doing out here? Hey, wait, so he's still a boy, and he's going on the boat, the Restless? Yeah, he's like 13. But uh, um, as he stood outside the ship, two of Power's crew walked up to Sterling. They were all drunk as sailors be. And they struck up a conversation. They invited him on board. Sterling had thought he had kind of made it. He's just like, oh, these guys are totally going to take me out. This is so sick. I'm a, a ship man. I'm yeah. a salty guy. <laughs> Bro, they made him hot chocolate. They gave him a piece of pie. They put him in a, a bug-infested bed. They were like, you sleep yeah. there, man. Have a, have a little spot. Hey, here, here's a pipe, you 13-year-old boy. <laughs> here's a net to sleep in. <laughs> Albert Powers, the captain, he comes in the next day, and he's like, who's this young man? It's like, oh, I know you. What are you doing on my fucking ship? Why are you here, boy? He was like, well, I'm not giving you a job. Oh, no. I'm not doing oh. that, dude. I couldn't do that. Go back to school. Make something of yourself. So Sterling was all bummed out, especially since he would have to go live with his parents because he dropped out of school. So it's not good. Dude, you could just make money just picking up muscles on the beach. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but, dude, you got to get outperformed by the 18-year-olds. Uh, I don't know. I think the smaller hands, you can really kind of get them detached from the rocks better. 
You think so? Yeah. yeah. I, don't know. I think that's into the, the nooks opposite, and crannies. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd have a harder time. Uh, Sterling moves back in with the folks. Um, at this time, James was just getting over another scheme where he borrowed a bunch of money. He had two cars. They were both repossessed. There were debt collectors all over the place. So they moved to Boston to live in the slum, by the way. Oh, they were no. the first time. And I think James's sister owned the slum building that they were living in. So uh, not, only, not only does he f- find himself in debt to uh, people he doesn't know, but he finds himself in debt to his sister later on. His slumlord sister. Uh. Yes, exactly. <laughs> if you thought the accents up here in Maine are funny, wait till we get to our new house. Yeah, <laughs> this is going to suck. Sterling is 16 and decides to find a job to help out. He can't find one. It is the height of the Great Depression. Um, yes, he was born... 1916. 16, yeah. 16, so yeah, we're feeling 32. Oh yeah, height of the Depression. Oh yeah, so No one's higher than anyone. There's definitely not higher than this lanky little boy. Yeah, no one has Wellbutrin. That's how they solved it. And FDR came around, he's like, here's Lexapro. <laughs> now, the money, now the money's will come. <laughs> one afternoon, he walked along the Boston docks and talked to a friendly sailor named Warwick Thompson, captain of the Wanderbird. Now, they talked for many hours. I was hoping uh, you were going to say Captain Warwick Davis, but... He yeah. is a captain. <laughs> kind of. I was hoping Probably you not. were going to say Captain Stabbing. <laughs> He's coming. <laughs> um, so, having this chat with Warwick Thompson kind of ignited... A, a passion for sailing. This was a a man who was not like Albert Powers going say, hey, go do something else. He's like, yeah, being a sailor is the shit. Yeah, come to the most noble calling of the ocean. Yes. Yeah. Warwick, um, he they they do form a bond. These two. Um, I'm not going to get too into it now, but later he comes up in the story, very interesting way. All right. So uh, remember the name. Warwick Tomps, uh, Tompkins. Tomp. No, I. I think it's Tompkins, but I wrote Thompson here. Captain Warwick. I just yeah. want to kill myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> young Sterling was coming home from the dock one day when he stopped at a naval instrument shop that he used to hang out. Uh, Wilfred White, the friendly sh- shop owner, flagged down Sterling. And he was like, hey, man, I got a job for you. It's leaving out of New London, Connecticut in 10 days. I already gave you the word, and I'm going to give you a letter of recommendation. Just get over there, and you'll be sailing. Is it the New London Ferry? Because he likes fairies. <laughs> that would be really sick. If he was just like back and forth. Yeah. The New London Orient Point Ferry is very nice. It is yes. fun. Yeah. Way better than the Bridgeport Port Jeff one, I'm going to say. Um, I don't think I've taken that one recently. I did take the other one, and, and you can drink on it, which is great. There's a full you, service I think you can bar. drink on both. You drink okay. on both. You get loaded, and then you just hop right back in your car. You try to get out. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking... <laughs> I'm technically sailing, yeah. so it ain't drinking and driving. <laughs> I think the um the Bridgeport one might be this is very niche Long Island podcasting. The yes. Bridgeport one might be a nicer ferry, but the Orient Point is a nicer journey. Yeah, you go that past sense. that yeah. government testing island. Yeah, well, Plum Island. Well, yeah, Plum oh, Island. Yeah. It's where they found that that uh skinned otter. Did anyone call it? Yeah, the, the monster. The, 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 the beast. monster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So he lends Sterling the bus money. I think he lent him like 50 bucks, which is a lot back then. Yeah, 
could buy a bus. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he, he pocketed the money, held on to it, and hopped on a freight train, did the bum thing down there. Oh, so he learned a few lessons from his stepdad. Yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> he certainly does. First March thing you're going to learn is how to skip town, kid. <laughs> <laughs> In style. March 21st, 1933. Uh, ten days later, he's officially the crew of the Puritan, and by God did he hate it. It smelled, and the rest of the crew didn't share his enthusiasm that he uh, had for the open sea. His journal entries indicated that he, even though he hated it, it grew on him enough to stick around. He kind of knew how jaded this crew was. I guess the Puritan wasn't a great first adventure, but... But he, he liked it enough to know that there's... This is bad, but it's not like the whole industry. Yeah, exactly. He wasn't like... Uh, it wasn't rose-tinted glasses for him. Yeah. He saw, like, this bad experience wasn't going to keep him away from the ocean. Right. Right. I feel like that's every person that, like, joins the MTA, right? Like, <laughs> oh, they, I'm they're... so excited to be sailing through uh, New York City uh, my first day. And then oh, like, shit, Staten Island line. <laughs> yeah. And all the other coworkers are like, oh, fuck, we got another one. <laughs> yeah. My enthusiasm for, uh, for the smell of homeless people, uh, <laughs> it's unwavering, because that is really why I'm here. Yeah. I want to I want to watch people be miserable. Sub people, I would say. <laughs> the crew warmed up to him too and uh they took him under his wing. They kind of stopped being such dicks and all jaded and they're like, "Yeah, this guy's he's all right." Yeah. Well, uh their destination was Los Angeles via the Panama Canal. Well, that's a mm-hmm. big first journey for sale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Four right. Months. Holy shit. So, I, yeah, I'm going to assume after they got past, like, Florida, they started being cool with him. I, I mean, for a guy who's, like, who earned his love of the ocean by taking the ferry from Jersey to Manhattan. Yeah. And then by taking sailboats around coastal islands in Maine to yep. then go on a journey from New London to L.A. Yep. Pretty fucking nuts. Yeah, that's a big jump. Yeah, he was no slouch, you know, he... He knew what he signed up for uh, time-wise. Yeah. So. That's like, oh, I enjoy rock climbing at my local gym, so I'm going to try and... Uh, K2. Cl- yeah, K2. Yeah. Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> no gear. <laughs> um, with every shore leave, Sterling was introduced to a new strip club or porno theater. Mm. Which I guess we're just rife back in the Depression. I mean, well, just uh, sailing, too. Yeah, man. Well, also, like, Panama, the Panama Canal used to be a hotbed for that shit. It's all sailors going through. Yeah. And it's, like, not America. I mean, it's kind of America, but it's it, not America. It, it's mostly America yeah. at that point. <laughs> yeah. But this is before the new... When did they do the new construction? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, because there is a difference, like... I, mean, I don't know my Panama Canal history. That well, long. there's... There was the... Wasn't... I mean that was that was like the turn of the century, right? Because you have to do you had to do like portage and shit across sections of it before that, right? Well, you still oh no, you don't do any portage anymore. It's all just locks. Yeah, yeah. Well, either way, Connor, you're looking that up. Yeah, I'll see. All right. Um, yeah, but it's like America light, you know what I mean? So like, there's gonna be more strip clubs. There's gonna be more VD going on. Bro, you know what I really like about the Savannah location is when you're in downtown Savannah and you're looking across the river and you see South Carolina, legitimately the first building when you cross the bridge and hit South Carolina, the first building on the left is a strip club. 
in a cornfield. It's like there's nothing around. It's just like I cannot wait to visit that. <laughs> that is yeah. that's classic. You that's... could just you could see it from some of the rooftop bars in Savannah. It's just like there's the convention center, and over there to the left is a strip club. Yeah, it's, and, then, and, you and there's the bit... well-worn footpath between the two. <laughs> a little bit. Further to the left, uh, Bubblegum Shrimp Company. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> At the end of the trip, he and his friend Harvey, the ship's cook, went out searching for more work. Like any good seaman, Harvey and Sterling gave up looking for work and rode the railroads back to the East Coast, where they would look for work in New York. With no luck there, they each decided to go home. So, guess the work was still hard to get i don't know what the deal with the puritan was truly they i think feel like they stopped there and then the guy was like i'm staying here and no work to be had mm, okay. i think that's a thing yeah um, a lot of sailors did full-time on the west coast so when they made those trips it was kind of like stopping in boston and heading back yeah or they go on to asia yeah where it's awesome Mm-hmm. I don't think you could sail. This is like actual sailing schooners. I don't think people were really doing that. No, they were going back and forth to Asia. From you think so? Yeah, absolutely. Damn, dude. I mean, maybe not a schooner, but yeah. I mean, this was all schooner shit that he was into. So oh, okay. Um, when he arrived at the boarding house where he and Mama James had been, um, let's <laughs> see, James' sister. She was yeah. yeah. So they uh, they had scooted out of town. They Again. skipped on their rent from his sister, and they were now in Woundsocket, Rhode Island. Uh, Woundsocket? Woundsocket. Oh, Wound, okay. Woundsocket, yeah. Like my last trip to the ER. Woundsocket. Yeah. <laughs> or the next metal band that Tom makes. Oh, yeah, wounds. Hard wounds. Finally, in Boston, Daddy James had moved them into a fancy hotel to help his image during his next big business deal. Uh, the deal never had any legs and sunk almost immediately, which made them have to skirt out of there. The hotel confiscated all their belongings, including Sterling's, uh, Sterling's sea bag and his mother's cosmetic sail bag, their only sources of income. Mm. Daddy James finally went out for cigarettes and never returned. So Is that the end of his tale with us? Yes. So, um, yeah, that guy just kind of screwed that family up pretty bad. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Dude, sometimes you can only skip so many towns before you have to skip your family. <laughs> yeah, but he did give Sterling a cooler last name. Yeah. That's true. It just came under really awful pretenses of, you know, yeah. oh, I'm named after a total con man. Yeah, who bilked money from me and my mom. Yeah. yeah. Did, oh, that's did, the money thing, too. Yeah. Oh, that nice last name. Where did you, is, is it uh, English? <laughs> oh, it's uh, thievery. Yeah. <laughs> See, here's the big conspiracy. Did he actually leave town, or did he get really angry at Sterling and then start beating on him and had a heart attack? <laughs> we can only hope so. I'd hope so. <laughs> uh, real quick, pa- Panama Canal. Didn't see anything about an expansion except within the last 10 years. There's been a big expansion. Okay, that's what I was thinking of. And the U.S. owned and controlled all of it until 1977. That's awesome. Dude, Hell we yeah. rule. <laughs> We're so cool. Yeah, you got an empire in all but name. (laughs) Dude, you have to talk loudly and flop your big dick out. That's all I'm saying. That's the American way. Amen. 
Sterling and his mom moved to Gloucester, Massachusetts. That's how you say that, right? Gloucester. Gloucester. Yeah. Gloucester. Okay. It's, it does look like Gloucester. But also, I feel like some of them up there might even just be like Gloucester. Gloucester. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they What's moved the one? There. Yeah. Wooster. And it's Worcester. like Worcester. 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 <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. Um, so they're there now. Okay. And uh, they were That's blessed. That's a big with... sailing community. Yeah. A lot of boats. Uh, they were blessed with all kinds of good luck. They got a nice room with a landlord who was sympathetic to their situation. Sterling went to the local nautical instrument shop and became friendly with a well-known sea captain who wrote him a glowing recommendation along with a few bucks to carry on him while he was looking for work. Was it George Clooney? It wasn't. I forgot oh. to write the name down, but I would have wrote that name down. Yeah. I thought it was Ben Affleck. He's like, look, kid. Uh, talk to Donnie over there, and he he's gonna hook you up at the best nautical thing ever. It's called Dunkin' Donuts. It's really gonna kick off. It goes for all the sailors out there, you know. Yeah, he did that. Thank uh, you, Ben Affleck. <laughs> I will take this eight dollars and hold it close to my heart. He found work as a fisherman in Boston. It was a really rough gig, but he did it for a year. Um, he didn't love the company. He left the fishing game. For a while to recollect himself, working to pay the bills, help out with his mom. So this is um, this was like dragnet fishing. Yeah. So it's pretty well, dangerous and it's not fun at all. No. Well, like trawling, um, like where you just like put that shit behind you and just drag everything. Well, you, no, it's the the way they would do it is there'd be buoys set up, which were like like markers for where several small boats would go drop nets. And then instead of, like, dragging all the way, they would, like, kind of wench it in on a boat while they were moving slowly. Ah. So it was dangerous. There was a lot of machinery for back then, which is, you know, no ocean. Go wrong. Not, yeah. Yeah, not, yeah. Not to suck their dick, but. Dude, all they're just, they're just waiting for that perfect storm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> Dory Trawler. Um, that's what it's called. It's crazy. Uh, let's see. During this time period, he realized what he wanted to do with his life, which was sail the world by himself and write books about it, which was a viable thing back then. Like people would just write their sailing adventure. Yeah. People bought books back then. They hadn't found a bunch of islands yet. There's still new things to discover for a little. Yeah. I mean, it was cool. Like Hemingway was a thing and people were like, oh yeah, like the adventurer type. It was, it, it kind of made sense, I guess. Yeah, I that feel like the... you could either go two ways. You just get drunk in the keys or look for pygmies. Those were your two <laughs> options. I would go look for pygmies. Yeah. I would get drunk in the keys before I embark to go find them. That's true. Yeah, I would definitely make that stop there. Load up on rum and get diabetes. Yeah. Uh, he went back to fishing uh, when he realized he had this goal. He just needed to get that money. He had... Uh, he had seen some boats on the harbor for about 500 bucks, so that was the goal. Let's see, he does that. that That's not a lot of scratch, like, right? It was a lot of money back then, but, uh, you know, I think because of the dangerous nature of the, the fishing game he was doing, it paid pretty well. Hmm. Uh, uh, so there he's like deadliest catch boys. Kind of, yeah. I think it's like one tier below that. That guy, didn't he have a heart attack and sink his ship? Yeah, one of them did. One right? of them died. <laughs> I don't know if he died on the ship or not. Probably just died in his hot tub. Yeah. <laughs> I always said I was going to die in the water. Yeah, yeah, I knew I was going to die in my hot tub with Sarah Palin. 
Uh, after three months of danger, he was able to buy the boat. So he uh, biked up to Camden, Maine, where he, uh, I think he had seen a boat that he had in mind. And I don't, th- I don't think it was the same one, but either way, he was able to get one for about $400. The 19-year-old sailed the uh, Horizon, which is what he called it, back down to Boston, where he met up with some sailing pals, including Warwick Tompkins. Uh, he spent the summer fixing up his boat and taking tourists out for trips for money. Oh, that's a cool gig. That's very cool. Yeah. I think that shit's awesome. If I could just, like, yeah, yeah, hop on my vessel. 19 years old, going up to tourists in Boston. Like, yeah. you want to go on a sail in the harbor? <laughs> yeah. So Bring your beer here. I have over five coolers. Yeah. You Tom, can use them. I don't think that was really fair. Cause I asked what this guy was all about. And you're like, oh, he's an actor in this movie. He started Duck Tours. <laughs> kind of yeah yeah he started the duck boat tours <laughs> yeah so we're you know he's he's 19 right now and he's got his first career going um it was a good way to check the boat also this this type of like tourism was kind of popular when you got a new boat that was second a second hand boat so you could like take it on the harbor you sail really close to land yeah. so if anything goes bad it's like you're making money while you're uh, checking out the vessel. Testing its seaworthiness. Yeah. So this was not like an original idea. A yeah. bunch of people did this. Yeah, you see down there, they dumped a bunch of tea in there. That's Isn't that cool? All right. <laughs> Money, please. Yeah. I need repairs. <laughs> so it did turn out, it, w- it was good that he had done that because it turned out that this thing took on water Ooh. real fast. <laughs> uh, and he was able to pump it out and stuff for the summer, but it wasn't really gonna work out it's not uh, gonna be an ocean going vessel nah not 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 in this state the horizon will not sail to the horizon no, <laughs> no. will not make it over around the same time he meets captain irving johnson a teetotaling hunk of a sailor who made a few trips around the world sterling idolized he and his wife electra a woman named electra what in, in 1930s wow yeah Big tits. She must have been hot. Yeah. Oh yeah, she was definitely hot. Uh, yeah, they were and like also a, a straight edge sailor. Come on, this guy <laughs> yeah. was way ahead of his time here, bro. He was like, he was just he was taking alpha male, alpha brain, that shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're gonna really want to first thing the sailor does is have some reishi mushrooms every morning. Yeah. <laughs> Turkey tail's good in the evening to calm you down. Yeah. So he, like, he's talking to these people. They're like. They're like amazing sailors. They have a great boat. They know what they're doing. They do cargo runs, precious cargo. They 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 bring people all along the shore. Uh, Johnson brought wealthy college kids around the world as a career, basically. And it was one of those like pay to work situations. So he'd have a bunch of rich kids come on and be like, "Okay, you're the crew now. You don't get to sit around. Like I get to boss you." Right. Which is fucking sweet. Yeah, it is badass. So it's like college hunks of the water. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, right. they're moving That's, stuff, right? Yeah, they are moving stuff. Uh, Johnson liked Sterling and told him that if he got a little more experience, he'd have him along in, uh, on his next trip around the world. Sterling decided to sell his ship and head to Miami to work on schooners traveling around the Caribbean. So, good move. His schooner was barely schooning. He was like, I need to get some actual miles under my belt, even though he had gone to fucking yeah. Los Angeles. Right. 
But these guys, he's like he, sailed around the world. Sailed around Cape Horn, and yeah. he's like, I need to get some miles in the Caribbean. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. The drive is unreal. Like you're already playing in the majors, man. You don't need to go back <laughs> down to high school. After three months of uh, doing these sh- back and forth ships from Miami to wherever, uh, he's uh, gets gets a telegram from Johnson, and he's like, "Yo, come be my second mate on the Yankee." Sterling excited. Uh, guys, I'm so tired. I can't read. Anyway, uh, Sterling excelled as second mate on the 18-month journey. And at the end of it, Sterling stayed on the ship as a second mate and followed a path emulating Captain Irving Johnson the best he could. The ship took passengers up and down the north and east for the summer, uh, north, northeast for the summer. And on one of the trips, he hosted the famous captain and author Lincoln Colcord. Dude, oh, one of my dude, favorite. Like, no way. Yeah. My favorite captain. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's, here's Colcord. He was very, very upset to find out that the Yankee was a dry ship. Extremely <laughs> upset. Dude, I mean, I would be too. You're going on a boat cruise? Yeah. He's like, the I, opposite I'm, side of this coin. What do you mean it's dry? We're in the water, ain't we? Yeah. Right. We have <laughs> friends that are like very, very, very in the fishing. I'm into the party boats because you can just get drunk, (laughs) throw a line in. They fucking put the bait back on. It's all about drinking. (laughs) Truthfully, I've went out with our pals a few times doing the party boat thing, and I'm so happy I never actually catch anything. I'm like, I don't want to fucking pull anything up. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to work. Or like a crab is fine. No resistance. (laughs) I don't fucking care, dude. So... Yeah, Colcord is he's pissed. He's like, This is this is no way to run a ship, Johnson. And he respected him as a captain, but they viewed things very differently. Colcord also saw something very special in Sterling, and when they arrived in uh what is this? Uh Penobscot, Maine? Penobscot? Sure, whatever sure. you want. Colcord yeah. invited Sterling over for dinner. So this was one of those trips where he's he's being a taxi. Sterling hey, came you want by some lobster? That's pretty much exactly what he sounded like. Yeah. I, I read that. <laughs> Sterling came by and Colcord started asking him questions about his life on the Yankee and grew very, very upset hearing all the things he hadn't done. <laughs> he saw Sterling was tense and blamed it on the dry ship situation. You mean you've never gotten syphilis once? Yeah. <laughs> How can you call yourself a sailor? Yeah. You have to see the Javanese ladies once. How many claps have you gotten? <laughs> Now, he asked uh, about some of the port stops they made, and Colcord grew furious upon hearing that the highlight of their stay in Tahiti was getting iced cream. Oh, that is lame. Yeah, <laughs> that's really lame. Yeah. <laughs> so Colcord actually offered Sterling his first stiff drink. At first, Sterling rejected. He had his principles. He was emulating Captain Irving. And uh, a little more of this insistence happened, and... Yeah, he started drinking. He, he found he liked the drink? Yeah, exactly. He needed the drink? These are important nope. things when you're on a cold ship in Maine. I mean, that actually saves people's lives. <laughs> kind of, yeah. So Colcord was adamant that Starlord not only should start drinking, but he should start smoking and fucking whores. It's the only way to do it. <laughs> that also saves men when the ship's going down. You have to do those things. <laughs> now, I imagine this. Now, Colcord's a writer. He's a sailor. He's He's got some money. He's got... This young kid, he's 22 at this time or something like that, 
never took a drink around all these sailors really serious sterling is a serious guy yeah he's sitting there in his probably study something like that and his wife is i'm picturing lots of navigational maps yeah uh a sextant prominently displayed dude they're having this evening together and the wife is there too colcord's wife is like there hanging out and he's like talking about fucking whores right in front of her which i i think is just do you think she so was charming. also like yeah you gotta get a horse yeah. sterling yeah that's what i'm hoping it's just like what you never fucked a whore what's wrong with you you don't drink you don't fuck what's wrong with this guy does your dick work i think this kid's a little slow yeah so Sterling went back to the Yankee that night, and uh, he had a lot on his mind. Colcord was a new role model, and very much the opposite of Irving Johnson. In the fall of 1938, Sterling was a shipmate on the Gertrude El Thabod in the International Fisherman Cup competition. Now, this event was very big to do in New England, and crowds would line the docks at all the launching points of these schooner races. It was a series of races, and the Thabod, the Thabod's biggest competitor was the Blue Nose, along with a very long-time rivalry between Thabod's captain, Ben Pine, and Blue Nose captain, Captain Angus Walters. They had a, uh, the, the two had an individual, like, tense relationship. I mm. think there was, like, a lot of fist fighting between crews on days off and shit like that. That's just... That sounds like sailors. Yeah, and if that sentence yeah. didn't make sense, then... Fuck sorry. off. Yeah, I, I think that's, I like, an average Wednesday in Maine. Yeah, this is... Exactly. Ben Pine fired his navigator after one of the races. Uh, I think these were a series of, like, best of seven kind of situations. Yeah. And they did so bad on the second race, he fired his navigators, and Sterling was promoted to the position, meaning that he got, uh, he actually got a little write-up in the papers. Because they mentioned the captain and the navigators. This is the first time he starts getting uh, press attention for what he's done. Uh, the competition gave him enough attention to be hired by the owner of the Florence C. Robinson to do a charter down to Tahiti. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't really get the sailing world at all today as it stands, but from like cargo ships today. No, I, I don't, they don't exist. They're, it's just slavery and human trafficking. (laughs) That's all I think of Uh, what goes on in those ships. But I'm even talking like sailing community, like, you know. Lizzie was in, you know, she was a sailing yeah. instructor. I never had any exposure to that stuff. But the way these people write about it, it's like, there must have been something so fucking cool about, like, getting a job. It's like, you're going to bring down, like, a bunch of steel to Tahiti. And, and people are going to go to the dock and be like, good luck, son. Yeah. Like, every day. <laughs> and it's cheer like, you on yeah, as you go. It's, yeah. it, it's like an event. And you got to write up in the local paper, like... Dude, it's just like That also sailing... might have just been the 30s. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, yeah, a lot of bored people. Yeah, sailing is, like, nowadays just really lame. That's the moral of the story. You know what I mean? We need more, like, hard, grisly men getting into... Uh, and women getting into sailing. Yeah. Not yeah, people my, that wear My wife would push back on that. That sail- <laughs> Sailing's cool today. Well, see, oh. me and Travis don't know anything about sailing, so... That's right. Lizzie will have to teach you guys. Yeah. She taught me how to tie knots. Tie knots, eh? Hey. That's how I flirted with her. I was like, oh, I'll take her knot tying class. You knew how to tie knots. I didn't. I still you don't know how to tie knots. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, though, there's no, like, pirate people. You know? These are, like, 20, yeah, yeah. 20th century pirate people. 
there's this um this John Candy movie I watched recently. I think it was called Summer Vacation, where he uh ends up he finds himself in a regatta, uh, and the boat he's sailing is a restaurant that has <laughs> uh the captain is ripped torn. <laughs> <laughs> It's a great movie. Or, or like, you know, you. Just, I feel like the people that can afford to go on ships now, it's like, you know that show that's popular, Below Deck, where you get to see these, like, fucking little pricks from Long Island with all the money, like, and they're, yeah. like, raving, and, like, you just got, like, service workers working. I mean, I'm sure they're fine people. It's like, they want to go to a hotel room on the water. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. They don't actually want to go sailing. They just want to be in a hotel yeah. that floats. That's yeah. cool. Oh, I hate cruise ships. I mean, yeah, no, not the cruise thing. The no. sail thing, like, the sa- sailing and going out, like, okay, it's cool. The culture itself, I I, I don't know what I'm getting at. I'm tired. You don't like Sperry's. I don't like Sperry's. There we no. go. No, yeah, we don't say. like Sperry's. That's exactly Fuck what I'm them. <laughs> So the world was very small at the time, and for some reason people really cared about the young captain taking command of the ship. Just as I mentioned, it was like in the newspaper. They were like, oh my god, this kid's going with the heaty. He's a little boy. Um, people came to the dock. They wished him farewell. Hugs, kisses. It was like his mom. I don't even think his mom was there. No, wait, I forget. Well, we're it, on the East Coast. so he's We're in Boston. Be, okay. Yeah, so his mom, his mom and probably girlfriend were like standing in a lighthouse just waiting for him to return. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah, of course. I don't think he had a girlfriend at the time. He actually, up to this point, only had one girlfriend, and it was while he was at the boarding school, and he wrote a letter to her. This is backing up quite a bit. He wrote a letter saying, hey, I'm going to run away from this dumbass boarding school. If you ever want to see me again, keep this going, <laughs> meet me here, which is the train station or whatever. She didn't go. Wow. She, she was, was waiting in the lighthouse already. She was waiting she in the lighthouse. Yeah. She was one step ahead. And he was, now he's in love with the ocean yeah. from a young age. Yeah. <laughs> Um, right. So, three days after the launch, the crew hit a nasty hurricane that destroyed one of the masts. They needed to stop in Jamaica for a week and, uh, repair the ship. Then they set sail again to Tahiti. February 15th, 1939, they arrive. Sterling gets all kinds of nautical-themed press attention. He and the crew live in Tahiti for two months, drinking and whatnot. He's, uh, now taking the coal cord... Do you think he lost his virginity in Tahiti on this trip? He was definitely blasting. I'll tell you, I can actually guarantee you that. Um, He fell in love with the woman and got engaged there. Oh, good for our boy. Oh, yeah. yeah. And when he left... Well, he he probably wasn't a virgin there. I'm sure that other captain let him bang his wife. (laughs) Oh, yeah, probably. (laughs) You need to learn before you get on the waves again. Boy, let me sit on you real quick. Let me show you how amends need to be how. (laughs) Um, my my under my under parts look like an urchin, <laughs> having shaved in years. That's how the sea captains lock. When he left, he promised he'd come back and tie the knot with this uh, woman. Uh, that didn't happen. He went back to New York City to meet some connections and try to get funding to get his own ship to captain. Uh, he thought his dangerous journey and all the press was enough of a resume to get that going, but uh, he was wrong. No one wanted to fund a ship for him. And after a couple months, he headed back to Boston. Oh, well. All right. No. I guess he gets the baked beans. Yeah. That's what they're famous for. Boston baked beans. That's Everyone right. knows that. That and their cream-filled yeah. donuts. Yeah. 
Yeah. Bro, that's yeah. So they sick. used to fill them with baked beans. <laughs> and they saw cows. <laughs> His friend Larry O'Toole knew a rich fella named Herb Talbot who liked to throw money around. After some negotiations with Talbot, he agreed to buy a boat for Sterling to captain. Now, uh, obviously, there's there's payments involved in all this stuff. Now, Sterling had been... Uh, he had seen a ship for a while that he wanted to buy in Panama. Or not a while. He saw it once while he was going through there. Somehow, an agreement was made where Sterling would be able to sail the ship back to Boston before paying for it. And Talbot wouldn't pay, it, pay uh, the 15K cost until it was ex- inspected in Boston. Sterling and his crew trucked down to Panama... Uh, to bring the ship back. Upon seeing the ship again, Sterling noticed it was much rougher shape than he thought. He decided to sail it back anyway, only to get it all fucked up off the shore of South Carolina. Um, so they flew, they were out there in uh, South Carolina off the coast. They had the ship flag flying upside down, going, that's that's a distress signal, mm-hmm. I suppose. Uh, yeah. They were out there for a few days, and then they get towed into port. The quote for the boat repair came to 18K. So, Man. yeah, that's more than the price of the boat. The scrap was worth 10. Sterling received a telegram from Talbot. Find I can devote no more money to this venture. Good luck. Oh, <laughs> so, what a dick. Uh, so Sterling uh, went I'll from be- being hot sailor six months ago to cannot get St- shit. <laughs> Stuck with the bill. Yeah. Yeah. At least he's in the Outer Banks. He could eat crabs. Yeah. No, he, he got back up For there free. somehow. He had $45 at this point. <laughs> so that was enough to, you know, take a quick Disney vacation and then head back. I no, $45 the- is like a down payment on a house. Are you I'm kidding not- me? <laughs> I must do the only thing that my stepfather taught me. And skip yeah, to down. con someone. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he conned him. I think he just left the ship there so they could scrap it. Yeah, and just scrap it. It was like the person who sold it to him for 15K, because they never made that exchange, it didn't really matter. No. He was just like, fuck it. You sold me a shitty boat. Back in Boston, Sterling had no work. He hung around the dock with his drinking buddies, Larry O'Toole and Tom Horgan. Uh, I guess these two couldn't stop looking at, at Sterling Hayden. Mm-hmm. And his perfect face. Tom mm-hmm. Horgan says, hey, you should be a Hollywood actor. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah, well. Yeah. That's the inspiration? Pretty much. <laughs> a drunk guy so, hey, tells man. you you should become a Hollywood actor? <laughs> Don't tell you this the wrong way, but you're pretty hot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there was a few things that kind of made this come together. But he was friends with a woman named Virginia Hawks, who was wife of the successful Hollywood agent William Hawks. Now, Tom writes a letter enclosed with a picture of the young uh, strapping Sterling Hayden that he had clipped from a newspaper, uh, saying, you better sign him before someone else does. And also, he's broke. (laughs) Nothing happened from that letter, but the three fellows start scheming, and Sterling is like, all right, those people make a lot of money. Why not? A couple weeks later, Larry O'Toole takes Sterling to New York City to meet a theater agent, Harry Gufrain. Now, Harry Gufrain was taken back by Sterling's good looks and signed him to his agency in the first week. Just met the guy and was like, my oh, God. Man. 
Look at this. Old Hollywood. Guy. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I, mean, I didn't mention it at the top of this guy. This guy is uh, beautiful. <laughs> so beautiful. Yeah. And well, you've been picturing I'm a sh- crusty sailor man. Yeah. Get that out of your brain. <laughs> yeah. Knowing, knowing old Hollywood, they're probably like, look at that pretty man. You want to be an actor? You got to kiss me on the lips. Yeah. It's <laughs> pretty much what happened. Now, Sterling had never acted before. Not once. Never. <laughs> Sterling waited by the phone for a month to hear from his new agent, but nothing actually happened. As Sterling was about to pack up and head to Boston, Gofrain met Edward Griffith a producer from Paramount who was working on a new project, The Southerner. Gufrain showed Griffin the picture of Sterling, and Griffin said, Griffith said, I have to meet this man. I have to meet a man who looks Look, like he's this. so beautiful. Yeah. I gotta meet him. <laughs> I gotta have dinner with this guy. Exactly. I like the cut of his jib. Do you think he'll like that sailing talk? <laughs> so as Sterling, well, he's, he's like, okay. Sets up this meeting. Um, Griffith is like, I can't believe how fucking handsome this guy is. I'm gonna get him a, a screen test, which oh, was like so fucking hot. Yeah, the screen yeah. test is like you're in the door already. You know, once you're oh, at the yeah. screen test, it's like, all right, your name is. They paid to have this done, so it's gonna stay in circulation. Okay, at the screen. Yeah, I mean, you have to pay for a screen test. Like, it's on film. Yeah, so it's not like you're shooting on a phone. They're only gonna take the serious guys. Precisely. Precisely my point, Travis. Thank you for clarifying. So the screen test, of course, looked great. Lighting, perfect. Face, beautiful. Sterling did fumble on the read overall uh, a bit. Fuck, I'm so tired, guys. You're just stumbling upon the read just like Sterling. That's yeah. a, that's all right. You're, You're embodying the subject. I'm handsome inside. <laughs> I might be yeah. fucking trash looking on the outside. Tom, I guarantee at one point a Hollywood executive saw a picture of you and goes, well, I, I got to meet this guy. Well, well I got to yeah. make sure that guy stays away from my fucking kids. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to kiss him on I got to see this guy and pay him a bribe. Yeah. <laughs> One day. So he, he fumbles on the script, such as many handsome people do. But it went well. Griffith's like, bro, pack your bags. You're going to Hollywood. Sterling thought he wasn't going to get the job. But sure enough, May 1940, Sterling got a contract with Paramount. May 1940. Real yeah. good timing. <laughs> yeah. Real good yeah. timing. <laughs> so he gets a contract, and they send him off to Hollywood. They put him up. They're giving him 600 bucks a month to be trained up with the rest of the Paramount crew. Because we've talked about this before. It's like the, the Academy Hollywood. Exactly. Yeah. Like you sign with the production company and then you just work with those actors right. exclusively. I mean, it wasn't until Marlon Brando till that was really changed. He was the one that broke yeah. that. Yeah, contract he was stuff? one of the guys. I think there was a few exceptions, people who were free contracts. But he, he was Ron Brando was like... just like picture to picture. Yeah, like, yeah. Change the whole thing. Uh, not to derail you too much. Do we know if they sent him to Hollywood on a boat? <laughs> I would hope. Uh, so. I was going to say the one, the one stipulation was like, I have to live in a houseboat. Yeah, I can't live on the studio. It's like, all right, we got your train ticket across the U.S. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I go through Panama, yeah. or I don't go. <laughs> I had to see my wife. Yeah. <laughs> see my wife. <laughs> no, no. I think he, uh, he. They just put him on a. A train, yeah. and they're like, get out there. I think they took his mother, too. Aww. Put him in a nice apartment. He's got a lot of money, 600 bucks a month. Yeah. yeah good. They're like, Sterling, a train is a boat of iron. <laughs> <laughs> now, 
he really stood out from the other actors in the camp. You know, when you weren't working on the film set, they had you there. You'd have to like do fitness things and you'd have a trainer and you, you it was a 40 hour work week, even when you didn't have yeah. a film. Um, he stuck out from the other actors because he always thought it was dumb. Like he genuinely <laughs> didn't give a shit. I thought you were going to say because he was still so good looking. <laughs> well, that too. Yeah. So the, that that attitude yeah. plus the looks. Oh, my gosh. And also, like, a trainer for a guy that's been working on a ship and, like, hauling shrimp or whatever he's doing. Yeah. Oh, he doesn't need a trainer. He's probably jacked. Bro, he was jacked. He was 6'3", like 200 pounds of muscle. This is before we got big. these sissy short actors we have now. Yeah, Jason Schwartzman and all that shit. The Tom fucking... Cruise is 5'4". Like, come on. Can't even look at <laughs> yeah. him. Yeah. Too short. Joe Rogan, so small. Tiny men. Yeah, give me a 6'4 beefcake sailor. That's yeah. my leading man. <laughs> yeah. Precisely. I can't, I don't want to be able to fit him in frame with anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't happy being in Hollywood, as you could guess. After a couple months, he went to Griffith and was just like, bro, this sucks. I, I'm not sailing. I can't sail and act at the same time. And Griffith's right there on the spot. is just like, okay. I brought you in here to do a project. It was called The Southerner. I was kind of seeing how you worked out, but since you want to leave, I'm just going to give it to you right now. Oh. It's a co-starring role. I don't think this has ever been done in Hollywood. First movie. First movie. (laughs) Yeah. If you look at The Southerner, he's third build. Holy shit. Never read a script before. (sighs) The leading lady of The Southerner was Madeline Carroll, a real Hollywood hottie. Sexy woman. The only thing standing in Sterling's way was that Madeline had a lot of pull at Paramount, and she had to sign off on the co-stars. Mm. So, as her contract said, they set up a dinner for the two. They didn't just show her a headshot, and she was like, oh, I gotta get dinner with this guy. <laughs> Bro, they gave her the full. <laughs> they went full frontal. They set him up with dinner, and immediately, she's like, oh, whoa. You? Yeah, dude. You're handsome hey, as hell. He can was you stand up again? Can I, can I see a, it again? He was pretty handsome, but we went to a Michelin star restaurant. He ordered baked beans and clams. <laughs> and when they said they didn't have clams, he just pulled his own out of his pocket. <laughs> so not only what, did this meeting go well, they sparked a romantic interest in each other. I mean, she was hot. He was hot. He'd learned the tools of the trade from, what was the the cool captain? I'm just going to call him the cool captain. The cool captain. Yeah. Cole Cord. Cole Cord. Yeah, Lincoln yeah. Cole Cord. The Southern- <laughs> Southerner was filmed over six weeks in Virginia. Some of the indoor scenes shot in Hollywood, as the sets do. Nothing remarkable happened on set other than um, Madeline Carroll and Sterling's Affair, which people found out about and were like, what like Madeline was number two or three in Hollywood paycheck wise? I'm trying to think mm. of an equivalent like today. Like who is the one of the biggest A list young actresses? Uh, Aquafina. I I'm thinking uh, she's this, hard. I would this know. be I, like I, if Zendaya started dating like a line cook who just got cast in a movie like a month ago? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was Pete Davidson and Kardashian. Yeah. But he was at least in stuff. Yeah, he was in SNL. Yeah, which that's is true. Like, this is like a long haul trucker, yeah. like who's just everyone just looks at him and goes, "Whoa, that guy's really hot. He should be in movies." 
He's the guy he walking smells weird. going, I don't know much about pictures, but I will do my best. I'll read the script. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Good for him. No, he doesn't have that sense of humor, too. He's very... He's, he's very serious. Very, he's very stoic. And dry. Yeah. When he drinks, though, he loosens up. All right. As you do. Yeah. As yeah. you do. That's why sailors need it. They need to be loose, like the ropes. Yes. <laughs> <They> need... <laughs> it helps with your sea legs. Yeah. So, uh... After shooting, he was hanging out with his drinking buddy who moved out there, Larry O'Toole, <laughs> telling him how dumb acting was and how he was ready to quit and get back to sailing. <laughs> Larry's like, bro, just do like a couple more movies and then you can buy whatever boat you want. Like, stop this. You're dumb. I'm please. glad Larry was there to offer these sage words of advice. Yeah. Hayden has this really strange intelligence about him. He has wisdoms. But he's too honest with himself. Mm. Like, spoiler alerts, he doesn't believe in investing at all. So any <laughs> money that he gets, he feels he has to directly earn. Which kind of reflects what he's doing here. Yeah. He's making all this money and going, this isn't worth it. I'm not working for this. I'm being handed. This is charity. I need to sail. Right. Yeah. He's like, I need to do something hard. All right. Um, the rest is suck. Is this going to be enter stage the Japanese? They're <laughs> yeah. coming. No, enter no, stage a lot in their episode two. Seems like yeah, we're about to be like, and then Pearl Harbor. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Enter stage a lot of American boys become sailors. Yeah. <laughs> now Paramount sent him on a publicity tour to promote the movie. He met loads of famous actors, and he even met FDR at the White House. Now there, Sterling mentioned to FDR that Captain Ben Pine sends his best regards. Ben Pine, the uh, captain of the Thabod, had actually known FDR. There was some kind of tie way back then. He goes, oh, you know, the Thabod should have won those last two races, young Sterling. It's like, damn. So FDR mm. knows about Sterling Hayden. I feel like I remember FDR, big sailing guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, on the Hudson. Right. So he, he knew. FDR knew about this guy. Everyone's known about this guy. And he's just showing up to work, which is something I've been doing forever, and not, no one knows me, which yeah. is really bothersome, truthfully. Um, it's kind of crazy to think when we do these roasts like this, like just how much smaller the world was, yeah. you know, like in terms of population and like, you know. But we've read so many sad stories of this time period, like, like it's the unbelievable amount of opportunity that was open to him, but just him. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, he's really hot. I don't want yeah. to keep harping on it, but if <laughs> yeah. if a Hollywood executive looked at a headshot and went, "Give this guy a movie," like, we're and working you can't at a smell... different level of of attractiveness at that point. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You can't smell someone through a screen. Yeah. That's true. He probably yeah. smelled terrible. I don't know, Travis. You love shrimp. I love shrimp. We both. I smelled terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um. So Sterling was going over so well at Paramount that uh, Griffith just cut right to the chase and offered him the lead role in the next movie, uh, which was The Bahama Passage. So that's where we're going to end. That sounds like a movie that's about sailing. Yeah. Oh, my yes, God. Yes, it is. And <laughs> it's about sailing, and he's the lead role on the second film he's ever done. God damn. It's been, and it's been like six months since... In Hollywood. Since a f his drinking buddy said, you should try to be an actor. Yes. <laughs> yes, bro. I feel like 
everyone in Hollywood just tells this story as a way to be like, see, it can happen. <laughs> this, <laughs> like, straight up, this is probably the most toxic story to tell to an aspiring actor. Oh, 100%. This, they're going to be like, I- I'm also handsome and my uncle had a boat. What do you mean I'm on the second lead in my first ever feature film? <laughs> yeah. This is hard. I know a guy in a wheelchair. Is he FDR? <laughs> It's Gary Sinise, and you don't know him, and he's not really in a wheelchair. <laughs> oh, man. Wow, so, what a start. Yeah, yeah, great start. We got Sally Boy. He's he's handsome. He's a handsome man. Sure is. Yeah. I've only seen him, I think, in Doctor Strange Love, which is obviously towards the later part of his career. Yeah. So part of me kind of wants to watch, go back and watch these mo- old movies. You know, I, I still haven't watched Bahama Passage or... Um, the Southerner, Southerner, but I will. I've watched a couple other movies with him. Uh, one, another Kubrick one. Have you ever seen The Killing? Yeah, I feel. Yeah, Travis, you're a Kubrick guy. The Killing. I do. He's the lead character in that. Oh, okay, all uh, right. Yeah, you know it's funny because I when uh, I did the art before this because we're putting it out tomorrow, and I thought you were doing Rod Sterling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I, so I was like, oh, Rod, what are we doing with Rod Sterling? I had no clue what this guy's name was, but yeah, there's a few things I've seen him in. Yeah, I mean, this guy rules, and he's done mad shit, and I'm still covering the book. I'm still going through, so I don't know. Listen, he's kind of he's kind of reached this point in my brain where he's up there with, like, Oliver Reed. Like, I don't really care if he fucks a 16-year-old. Like, he's still cool. <laughs> I feel I like he does, he... for the record. All right, all right. <laughs> She was sent. <laughs> I feel like he is what the kid who played Anakin, Hayden Christensen, thought his career was going to be. Oh, it's like, yeah. dude, I got a lead role in Star Wars, and I'm a pretty boy. I'm handsome. People want to kiss. Natalie Portman wants to kiss me on the lips. Jeez. And I smell like salt and shrimp. <laughs> yeah. Bro, that is like spot on with how yeah. bad this could get. <laughs> I don't know. It's not going bad. We got a lot of things going on. Yeah. And there's a lot of events. And we, God. He's a really interesting character. Yeah. But guys, I'm suffering from some pretty serious burnout. So it's coming out. It's coming out slow. It's all right. We had it. This is a fun start. I'm looking forward to learning more about it. Yeah. Fun start. Yeah. There's some weird shit that happens coming up there. Can't wait. So, very cool. If you want to hear more about sailing men, if you want to hear more about sailing men's wives named Electra and Big Titty J- Sally aboard, <laughs> then you're going to want to subscribe. Even more importantly than Patreon, you got to go on, on uh, Spotify. Give us five stars. We just need, a, we need to break the algorithm. <laughs> Is that... I, what do we have? We have like three and a no. We have like four point three or something. That's pretty good. That's a, we got we got decent, but we gotta keep going. That's eighty six out of a hundred. But good point, Travis. We are a hundred out of a hundred, even in yeah. my most tired and dismal of states of reading scripts. That's we're right. really good. Pump these yeah. numbers up. Look, no other podcast is gonna tell you the secret that there. When you go on the ocean, there's food underneath you. Yeah. Do you think anyone ever else, any other podcast has done that? Never heard of it before. That's a life hack. We also deliver life hacks here. So if you want more life hacks, you should go to patreon.com slash after you give us the five stars. Give us money. We'll tell you more secrets about that food that's underneath your 
your feet when you're swimming. And if we cross the $60,000 mark on Patreon, I will host a massive crawdad broil for us. And our highest goal that we've set is if we reach enough money with enough backers, we're going to sail a boat through the Panama Canal with all the people who have donated to our Patreon. It's going to be a big boat. Yeah. Yeah. Don't know what kind. We're almost there. We'll see. I actually hope it's a lot of very rich people. I hope that we can achieve our $60,000 goal with like 14 people. Well, we're going to rent four, four people. people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to rent um, Jeff's boat, you know, the one in the Netherlands that they had to take a bridge down from. You know Jeff. Yeah. He owns that, what is it, uh, Hudson River, Amazon? Well, Amazon, yeah. right. <laughs> Amazon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, big old, big Jeff. Big bald Jeff. He would do anything to look like Sterling. That's right. Jeff, if you're listening, go to patreon.com slash cast. <laughs> Space is dumb. Sailing is cool as shit. That's right. Well, thanks, Tom. Okay, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thanks for being All right. here. Later. Bye, everyone. Bye.